When I was 23 years old, all anybody wanted to ask me was, what do you do for a living? And what was my response? My response was, I do awesome. I'm Steve Armato, and I started this podcast to interview awesome people who build awesome lives. So now, let's do awesome. This episode is the first episode of the Doing Awesome podcast, and the reason that I wanted to have this person on is because he's someone who had a vision when he became VP of a company at only 30 years old, and he's going to show you what having a plan and executing on it can do for you in life and the importance of building relationships. So I'm really excited for you to hear this. This is one of those episodes that is very, very valuable, especially if you're a young person who is trying to figure out how to get to the next level in your life, whether it's getting that big job or starting your own business. So stay tuned for the first episode of Doing Awesome. Jack Maseka, good friend of mine, first First guest on the Doing Awesome podcast. Jack, how are you doing today, sir? Doing well. Another beautiful day in New York City. Summer is, uh, you know, getting close, coming to an end, but it's been a good one. So, you know, just happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. You know, just trying to get this up and running. And it's been, it's, it's been fun to put this together. I kind of put it together pretty quickly. I did 10, 10 versions of my logo. But um, we're we're here. We're ready to go. I'm excited. So you know, let's get started. I want to talk about you a little bit here. Okay. So this is what it's about. It's about you. It's doing awesome to me. You do awesome at life. So let's talk about it. So you are the vice president of national accounts at the Advanced Group. You specialize in office moving, storage, furniture installation. How'd you get here? So. How did I get to the advanced group? It was uh, it was a long road. So I started working and moving uh, ten years ago in New York City, um, and it was just a job out of college. I'm originally from upstate New York, and uh, I was looking for jobs when I got done with school and wound up here and uh, and moving, peddling, hustling, residential moves, basically anybody I could find, uh, you know, doing the best I could to uh, learn the industry, make connections in the industry, because uh, I didn't know anybody or anything about moving. And uh, worked my way up, started doing really well, started to make a uh, network in different uh, you know, branches of people who were referring me to their friends, their families, their clients. And that eventually stemmed into commercial and office moving, which is a whole different subject and beast and uh, really enjoyed that, enjoyed the complexity of it, uh, the minute details to doing it well, how you handle different pieces of furniture, um, putting them together, all the electronic components, uh, all of those things. And that eventually led me to Indeed.com, where I became the uh, head of their global office openings. Um, I think my original title there was office move coordinator. And uh, what that allowed me to do was a work on a team and understand the team function and, you know, somebody who specializes in construction and real estate dealing and uh, workplace strategy. And then with my specialty in moving, we all started out working together 
and I began traveling the world, uh, opening up all of Indeed's offices around the globe. And for me, I grew up in a middle-class family. You know, the furthest we ever, ever went was Florida. So to go to, you know, London and Tokyo and Brazil uh, was really eye-opening for me and really taught me a lot, taught me how to deal with different people, um, how to communicate. Uh, especially when you're not speaking the same languages, but how to get these moves done. That was really helpful for me. And, and what it also did is it opened up my eyes to how lucrative and really complex office moving and, and national and global move management can be. So that sparked my interest. And while I was at Indeed, I saw the vendor we were using for all of our labor globally and you know basically they assisted us with all of our trucks labor storage we needed globally and i was like i could do this all they were doing was brokering it out essentially so i was like i could do this um and that kind of got the wheels turning and i went to WeWork and did a stint there which was very interesting um but also taught me a lot and i put together a business plan uh and presented it to the advanced group that i wanted to start a national accounts, national move management division. Uh, and they, they really liked it. They, they, they saw the, the idea behind it and how we go about it. And it's been great. I've been here three years and, uh, we've had a lot of success growth, especially even during today's climate where there aren't a ton of people in the office. We've still been able to do a lot, uh, create a lot of national and global opportunities and, uh, you know, just continued to work to grow. Wow. It sounds like you're in a pretty unique industry. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, so, especially with like national and global move management. Not a lot of uh, moving companies offer that. And uh, the reason why we're able to do it is we were founders of like a global network of movers called OMA. Uh, that's really turned out to be a very impressive company in and of itself. And um because of that, we have relationships in every major market globally. Um, and I know these people personally. So if I have something going on in uh, you know, Florida, Texas, California, London, the, the places I mentioned, Tokyo, Singapore, um, I have those contacts there. And I'm essentially a high-level project manager communicating and acting as that liaison between the client and the you know, crews on site. And um, because I've sat in a lot of my clients' position working at Indeed and WeWork, I understand very well what their needs are, what uh, is, is required in order to have a successful move, the minute details um, that go very well. And there's not a lot of moving companies who are interested in doing that. Many moving tr companies are transactional. And, you know, it's essentially they get a move, they perform a move, and then uh, they build that move once it's completed. And then they're on to the next move. Everything I do is relationship and account based. So I'm looking to build that relationship through trust and then grow over time, uh, servicing my clients all over the world. So I like that you just talked about uh, relationships because I feel like just being in business for a while, like it's it's really about the relationships that you have and the relationships that you kind of grow throughout the years. So like, can you talk a little bit about those relationships that you've built and like kind of how you, how do you keep up and nourish those? Like, how do you keep those relationships going through the years? Because I feel like a lot of people 
don't realize how important that is. Yeah, it is. And one of the interesting things about relationships in general, it's like the old friends you see who you haven't seen for a long time in college or, or since college, but then you see them again. And it's like, you know, you haven't skipped a beat. You know, it's, it's, it's just like the old days, if you will. And people remember that. And I think what's important, this actually just happened to me the other day. I was at an event and there was this uh, gentleman there who I hadn't seen in 10 years. Like I was saying, when I first started in the industry, I would go into every, every event I could just to meet as many people as I could and learn. And I had met this gentleman 10 years ago. And back then he was doing uh, art installations at hotels. And now I found out he has his own hotels um, and is purchasing more in Manhattan. And we're looking to work together again after 10 years of not seeing each other you know, to do the furniture installation and that sort of thing. And that's just a good example. You never know where the next opportunity lies or who is going to be a good uh, resource for you in order, you know, to find the next big opportunity. So that's why every person I come into contact with, I make it a point. I take the, the same interest and it's all genuine. You know, I really do care about your your life, your your professional life, what you want to accomplish. Ambitious people have a, have a way. That's why we're friends of uh, you know finding finding each other and working together and uh, helping each other when we can. You know, and that's the name of the game. And as long as you consistently do that over time, uh, because that's how the relationships grow and trust is built and understanding of who the other person is and what they're looking to do. It, it works. Um, and, and that's why it's, it's uh, worked very well for me. And uh, I have relationships that go back since, you know, 10 years since I started in this industry that, that are still um, helping me today and vice versa. Yeah, that's, I, I like that. And it's, people don't realize when you meet certain people, like just the, like you said, like you have a way, people that are like-minded have a way of helping each other out in a lot of different ways. And I love how you said that. And I want to go back a little bit. You said you're from upstate New York, right? So how did where you grew up or how did, how do you think that shaped you? Like kind of as you've gone through life here? Yeah, my, uh, my parents, as it is for most people, you know, were a big impact on my life. I also had a couple of, uh, mentors, uh, my next door neighbor, uh, was a big mentor for me. And, uh, you know, my mother getting back to always taking interests in other people's lives, that's her to a T. You know, she's somebody who is always so interested in other people and just cares so much about others and helping. And those are traits that, that fell right on to me. And again, it's, it's, it's done in such a, you know, gen genuine and beautiful and sincere way where people just eat it up and you know when when they see her they smile and i've always measured that and when i see people you know are they smiling are we both smiling you know are we excited to be around each other and i think that's a good good uh parameter of a good relationship and again especially if you haven't seen this person in 10 15 however many years but you know you're catching up you're you're, you're smiling with each other uh, you know, that is a trait that she always held that I always noticed and, and always worked hard to emulate. 
growing up. And then my father taught me work ethic, you know, whether it be through sport or, uh, you know, having my first jobs. I remember my first jobs growing up were always jobs where I had to wake up early in the morning, working all day, usually outdoors, um, and just, you know, busting my ass. And uh, that was a good thing for me because it set a bar, you know, very, very soon into my young professional development that you're going to have to wake up early. You're going to have to work hard. There's no excuses. Show up every day. Uh, and that's another thing. My parents, we never cut corners. You know, it was always there's no substitute to hard work. Uh, you just you got to do it. And um that was, uh, those are just traits that I always, always held. And then my next door neighbor, he's the one who pushed me, you know, he's the one who like made me want to be better, uh, you know, because we played a lot of sports, basketball, whatever. And I always wanted to beat him and I never could. And we, we just, you know, always worked harder and set a, he set a bar for me to, to get over. And I just always tried to get better and better because of that. And again, that's something that I've always maintained. No matter what I do, you're, you're going to start at a level. Um, and then the harder you work, the better you're going to get. And just there's no pinnacle to that. You can always work harder and get better and know more and become more knowledgeable. Um, and even if you fail, that's just another learning opportunity. And, you know, to not let it teeter you, but to, to let it be, uh, you know, just another pathway to your success. So yeah, helped a lot. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk to a lot of people now and I, I feel like it's a more younger, but like, I feel like people are afraid, even some people our age, they're afraid to like, kind of take that first step. They're afraid to, to not be an expert immediately. And a lot of people don't realize like it takes a lot of work to get to that level to become an expert. And like you said, I love what you said about how, you know, just cause you do something and you fail at first, you're still learning from it. And like you, you're not going to start something immediately and be great. Nobody does that. It's like an outlier. It's like, you ever hear the quote, like it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Exactly. You know, exactly. So it's, it's they say 10,000 hours in that book outlier. And it's very true. And, uh, you know, you look at the podcast and, and doing this, uh, you and me were probably starting out like at the same time. You might, you, you were, you, you started before me producing and things like that. But when you, excuse me, started doing this for the first time, much like me, you had a general sense of what you were doing. But as far as, uh, the articulation and the pace and the questions you ask and all of those things that you put together to make a podcast good. You really didn't know what you were doing. And the only way that you can learn that is through trial and error. And I remember when I started mine, I, uh, I was like, listen, I know I'm not going to be good at this, but I know if I keep doing it and don't stop, I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. I just got to get my reps up. And that's, that's all it becomes. That's it. Now that's, that is all it becomes. And now I want to talk about that. You're the host of moving into the future. What, what is it all about topics? What do you cover? I know there's a little technology in there. You're keeping people up to date on the, what's going on in your industry, but talk a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the plug, first and foremost. <laughs> but, uh, so we started moving into the future during the pandemic. 
And what had happened was I couldn't go out or be in front of everybody. And I, I was just speaking about how important that is to uh, my development and success, uh, you know, is getting out and creating those relationships and uh, expressing my professional knowledge. Uh, so we decided let's start a podcast. Um, and this was an opportunity for me to get my voice out there, show the, the type of uh, knowledge and experience that I had within my world because I've done so many different things and taking such a unique route. It allowed me, what it allowed me to do, not just on the podcast, but also professionally speaking, is take on different vantage points and understandings and curiosity. You know, range, my range of curiosity is so unlimited because I've done so much within my young career. And uh, this is what the, the podcast essentially became, you know, whether it's having somebody on who uh, has started their own business. And I think it's something interesting and unique that I'd like to have a discussion about and learn more about, or it's about somebody who's a partner with me in a different market, but they're also a good friend. And I want to take it as an opportunity to learn more about them or at least promote them to you know, those in my network, because the other thing about doing a lot of national and global work is that you create a national and global network. So I have people in uh, Florida who I talk to that might be interesting to people in California and my listeners there. And it's all about making those connections. There's also, you know, the technology, the real estate aspect of it. What I do is largely based in real estate. So we have professionals on to speak about that. I had a really interesting conversation with uh, one of the most prominent and successful real estate professionals um, in New York City history about what's going on here with developing developers and landlords and the hurdles that you have to come through and why rent prices are so high. And that was fascinating. And we also got the chance to talk about, you know, how he got to the point he's at what makes him a good advisor. So that was great. And yeah, it's really all over the board, but it's more so what do I think is going to, what's interesting to me and therefore what do I think is going to be interesting to people? And I try to make it very human centric, uh, you know, a little bit like a, like kind of what you're doing here, uh, a look behind the person and, and what goes into what makes them successful. So yeah, it works out well. Love that. I love that. And, you know, your videos are all over my LinkedIn. I see them, see them everywhere. I see, see you everywhere. So I, I like that. I like, like what I'm seeing at <laughs> we've, we've talked about this many times uh, at our, at our brief in-person events, but love it. Now let's keep this going here. You know, you're successful. You have great hair. Like you have better hair. We have you a lot of similarities, me and you, Steve. We, you know? <laughs> we do have a lot of similarities, but you're like, you definitely have me on height by a lot. I am, I'm a short king, so it's not really, not really working too well on height. But everything else, we do have a lot of similarities there. But like, so you're, you're the VP of a department where you work, right? So you didn't just walk in one day and like all of a sudden you're the VP. So like, what are some things that you had to go through like to get to that point? That's a good question uh, because... They wouldn't just give me this opportunity. Uh, and especially when I came on board here, I was 30. Uh, you know, I hadn't been in sales for quite a long time. Um, but 
one of the things I mentioned already uh, is I had a vision and I had a game plan uh, that I put together from them. You know, I mentioned like a business plan that I put together and it was clear what I was trying to accomplish uh, would take on a certain level, uh, you know, and um, title. And how I got to that point was one of the things early that I've known since I was young is that I can sell, you know, I can talk with the best of them. And frankly, up until, you know, I was like 23 or 24, I could BS with the best of them too, you know, and I can, I could tell people whatever they wanted to hear and usually get it done and usually, you know, come through for people. I was a man of my word, always been a man of my word up until a point, um, you know, and, and I, uh, was talking that talk when I first moved down here in sales but I wasn't really walking the walk yet. And I didn't, I knew some stuff about moving, but I really didn't know all that stuff. And when I had left my first sales job to go to Indeed, I had really looked at it as like, I'm gonna use this opportunity because I knew I was always gonna get back into sales, but I'm gonna use this opportunity to get my PhD in commercial moving, in office moving, in in real estate in general, anything to do with the office space, I'm going to know a lot about as much as I can. So whether it's the furniture, the IT, the security, the AV, um, you know, setting up the vendors, like everything, all of the different things, I'm going to learn as much as I can so I can be as, as knowledgeable as I can and provide the most value, uh, you know, to my clients over time. And, uh, that's essentially what I did it indeed. And like I said, you know, I got opened up to that global network and how things operated and saw that. And, and, and at my age, not a lot of people have done that. No one I know who has been boots on the ground on four continents uh, around the world. You know, I have, I've done it. I've, and that's the other thing too. It's like, I'm not just, uh, I'm not just a, a VP of national accounts. I'm also a mover. You know, I've pushed boxes. I've packed boxes. I've, I've disconnected monitors, reconnected monitors. Uh, you know, I know how much stuff goes in a box. I know how to pack stuff properly. Uh, you know, I haven't even, I haven't gotten to the point as far as like handling furniture and stuff like that yet. Cause that's, you know, very, uh, technical, but, uh, I, I do know, you know, the, the space orientations and what's going to fit where and how we need to put these things together, pointing these out to clients. Uh, you know, at different factions, if they want to move this furniture, you know, is it going to fit? Is it going to work? Where are the, where are the power units? Like all that industry jargon, um, I understand very well. And that's what really set me apart, you know, and allowed me to be at this position is because I really understand and I, and I live it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's what I do. I take pride in it. Um, so I, I do it to the best of my ability, which is, you know, allowed the advanced crew to provide me with that title and basically at the time, you know, really allow me to envision and create our national and global move management account division. That's awesome because that is no that really that is awesome because that's something like you laying out a plan and having a vision is something that not a lot of people are willing to do. And they, I don't real, I don't know if people really grasp that 
grasp like what that means where you could lay something out like that and have a plan and then not only that but execute on the right. plan because i know you said for a while you you could talk the talk with the best of them but like you talk the talk and walk the walk and you were re you were rewarded for it so that's something that people i feel like don't really understand and i can't i really can't do anything but give you so much credit for that because it's something that not a lot of people really were willing to do yeah, thank you. And I always tell people when they get started in sales or business development, whatever you want to call it or what your role is, is to put together a business plan because what happens so often, especially when people are starting out for the first time, or typically, you know, if they're if they're starting in a new uh, industry, is they really don't have much direction. You know, a lot of the reasons why people get into these sales jobs or business development jobs is because they can talk the talk and because they can build relationships and you know, they're people you just generally like to be around. But if you really want to succeed, especially in that first year, first six months, you have to have a plan. Speaking of plans, we're going to get into the fun stuff now because this is all outside of work. Kind of, if you want, there's been a lot of talk. Like, There's a lot of talk these days, um, morning routines. So what are your thoughts on morning routines? Do you have one? So as a matter of fact, I do. I just started a new one um, and I've started journaling. Um, and I do something called, uh, the one, one, one method, which is, uh, one thing you're grateful for one thing that's causing you stress or anxiety or is a hurdle in your life currently. And one thing that'll make today a success. Um, and I just, because and the reason why I'm doing it that way is cause I just started. See, once again, I have a plan. I have a, a, a numerical value to reach and it's simple. And I just do those three things. And what that allows me to do is um, just reflect, uh, you know, understand my current state of mind, uh, what I'm going through. And have you read uh, McConaughey's Green Lights yet? I haven't. One of the things he mentions in that book is, you know, people tend to uh, only write things down or journal when they're, when they're kind of going through like a, a rough spot. He wanted to... Uh, you know, make sure he had the good times, the green lights highlighted too. So that way he could go back to those. And that's essentially why I'm doing it. You know, I, I just want to have a record of uh, where I'm at, what's going well for me. You know, if not, you know, I have, a, I, I understand it, how to get through it. Um, but it does, all, and it doesn't take long. You know, it takes 10 minutes uh, or so. And um, it's been good. I just started that August 1st. So it's been three weeks. And uh, it, it's been a nice little practice. And I find myself writing more and, uh, you know, just, just doing a little more every time. And sometimes it's only, you know, a paragraph or so. Other times it's a couple pages. Um, and it's nice. It's a really, really nice practice. And then I stretch because I'm getting old. And you got you to gotta keep the hips loose. Yeah. I have to join you on the stretching. Yeah. It's not good. No. Yeah. It's like not – it's really – as you get older, it's and just you do more stuff. No, and I mean, you, I see you and your wife, you guys walk like 10,000 steps a day, which is really <laughs> good. Um, or at least you try to. I try to do that too. Right. Um, but what I do is I do the hangs. Like I hang from, uh, those are very helpful because it loosens up everything. Uh, and then the I pull up. And ball. then I do the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I do the, uh, the lower body yoga, lower back and stuff. It's just, you can't, you can't avoid it as you get older. So I, I do my best to, to get ahead of it. I, I like that. The movement helps. The movement right. helps. We've been, 
we're having a good year consistency going back to the gym consistently so now we're we're moving along in the right direction here. yeah but how do you like so that's your morning routine i like that i might give that a shot honestly Not bad. I, I need i could send it to you i need to i need to start yeah i would like to see that because i need to start doing something else because i've been just grabbing my phone immediately and it's not so those are always my worst days uh when i do that first and i and i've i've learned to trick my brain um like when i and i do it i mean listen i still get the journal it in but sometimes i grab my phone first um you know and like then i'll waste like five minutes or whatever jerking around on that thing and um i've realized the 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 later that I grab my phone, um, and I hide it too. I, I put it in a drawer so it's not like I don't see it. Um, okay. The better my mornings and, and days in general are. Uh, so I, I keep that positive affirmation in my head. Like my day is going to be better if I don't, the, the longer it takes me to look at my phone. And uh, that's that's been very helpful too. That's a helpful tip. I need to start doing it, that more. I was doing it for a while and I kind of fell off. I was just going to say, that's what happens with me too. It's like an addiction is, you know, you're good for like two weeks and then you hop back on and it's like, you know, it's just, you got to, yeah, you got to get over like a six month hump and then you're good. I know you got to fight it. So now, so I like that too, but now, so how do you take time? Like, like a lot of people have different ways of doing it. Like, cause we're on the phone topic, but how do you take time to disconnect from work? the world like what do you do to disconnect from things you know i do love nature but i'm not around it nearly enough especially this summer i was thinking about that i'm going upstate this weekend um and you know just to be out of the city will be good uh i go to the beach as often as i can and there i don't have service so i can't even look at my phone if i want which is great and i know it going into it so that really helps um but then i spend time with people you know i have my little brother uh, who I mentor um, and spend a lot of time with him. I coach a 12-year-old basketball team, which is starting up in two weeks. Um, so that'll, you know, keep me occupied. I look to find ways just to keep me occupied, whether I'm playing basketball too, you know, just go down to the park and shoot um, and play like that. Uh, you know, that's really helpful. Uh, I cook a lot. Um, you know, you're Italian, you know how it is, you know, making, yeah. making the good sauce and, and all that. So, uh, I do a lot of that. Um, I read as often as I can. I try to read every day, 10 minutes, at least, you know, 20 pages, you know, whatever, you know, however I feel like measuring myself. Um, but yeah, those are the way I largely disconnect and just try to get away. Uh, because really during the week I'm on. As soon as I pick that phone up, there's something to be answered. And, you know, as soon as I put it down at night, uh, which is usually around like eight o'clock before dinner. Um, so, yeah, it's those long days looking at that thing. So the sooner I can disconnect, the better. Absolutely. So you said you mentioned you read a lot. So do you have a book that kind of changed the way you you viewed the world? Wow. Good question. Um when I first moved down here, there are a couple books that apply to this, and I'll give you a couple. Um, when I first moved down here, I read the book uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You know that one? It's like the first. Yeah, I think it's behind me. Yeah. Is it up there? It's, it's somewhere. Yeah. That book, when I was like 23 years old, 
partnered with just seeing the documentary The Secret, which was popular around that okay. time and the law of attraction. And, and what that book taught me is essentially I am capable of accomplishing anything I want in life, you know, anything. And I just moved to New York City where the possibilities are endless. Um, all you really have to do is do it. And we talked about it before. You can't let the fear of failure get in your way. Um, you can't let no get in your way. You just have to, you know, keep progressing and, uh, and, and keep improving and you'll eventually get there. So that book helped me a lot. Um, recently, a book I read uh, was Atomic Habits by James Clear, uh, which is the, how I was talking about the phone. And in there, there's habit stacking and uh, the little tricks you can play on your brain to uh, eliminate bad habits and create new ones. Um, that has been extraordinarily helpful to me in the last year. Um, what else has really been like profoundly helpful? Um, I'll give you a little different one. Uh, Anthony Kytus's, uh, what's it called? Under the Bridge, his autobiography. Um, okay. I, it was very inspiring because he was a heroin addict. And uh, what I found in his story is even though he had really hit rock bottoms multiple times and come back from it multiple times, he... Uh, he never, he never stopped. Like he, he, and that's something I always remember, like, just don't stop, just keep going. There's going to be hurdles, not as, as triumphant or as, as disastrous as his, but, uh, as long as you're breathing and as long as you're, you know, alive, just keep going and just keep going. And if you have faith and, you know, if you, you have, uh, the ability to, grasp that you're going to get there eventually. Um, it'll all work out. That's great. I like that. I do have some of those books. I have to read Atomic Habits. It really was, yeah, oh, profound, life-changing and, and extremely helpful for that. I do want to read that one that you just told me. If you haven't read Under the Bridge, first of all, it's just, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, and him coming up in the 80s and the 90s. Um, it's just a great book if you're into, if you're into the Chili Peppers. And to understand his story and to see what he's accomplished because he kind of got a raw deal a little bit, you know, like his dad was feeding him like China white heroin when he was like 13. And, um, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's, that's not easy to deal with and to get over, but he did overcome it eventually gave him the capability to write that book and, you know, accomplished so many great things. He's one of the greatest rock and roll artists of all time. So, um, it just, it puts into perspective, like no matter how bad it is and, for him, it's, it can be real bad, like real, real bad. Um, as long as you, you know, you have the faith and uh, the willpower, you will eventually get through it. You just got to, you got to do it. Yeah, keep going. All right. That's what it is. So I, got, I got two more for you and I'll get you out of here. So this one, this one's important though. What does living an awesome life look like to you? It's really the impact that you can have on others, um, you know, whether that's direct or indirect. Um, as I mentioned before, when you see people and I and I do measure this, like how often is it when you see people, are they smiling when they see you? that to me is like an awesome life? That's what makes life awesome, because if you're always around people who you're happy to see and are happy to see you, that makes life incredibly fulfilling. You know, and 
whatever those relationships may be, whether they're professional or personal or they could be brand new. Um, but, you know, like what impact did you leave on them? Uh, whether, like I said, direct or indirect and what impact has they left on you? And uh, how does that, you know, make you go forward? Uh, I think that that's at least for me what keeps me going and keeps me motivated and uh, makes life fun. Uh, you know, that's, that's really what, what I enjoy about it. That's phenomenal. I mean, I, and I think people do smile when they see you. You're just a good guy. Thank you. Like every time we see you, we're just a good guy. We're having a good time. We're just talking about life. So yeah. it's part of, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. And now this is the last question. It's not as important, but it is kind of important. What's your go-to karaoke song oh, when you're out? I missed karaoke night that one night. And I did too. I did too. I wasn't there. there. I thought you were No, there. I wasn't there either. Oh. No, I missed it. Um, my go-to karaoke song is usually Billy Joel Vienna. It's definitely a popular one in the Rolodex. Um, Matchbox 20, Real World. It all depends on the crowd and like uh, you know who you're playing to there. I can do any number of Elton John songs. Um, oh, uh, Escape, the Pina Colada song by uh, Rufus or Rupert Holmes. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. So those are those are like top three right there is what I what I ripped off. You have a few. That's great. Yeah. You got to have some in the arsenal because oh, yeah. you're right. You do have to read the crowd oh, yeah. when you're doing that. Yeah, so absolutely. They, they, you go. Know, it's fantastic. So, Jack. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was awesome having you. I know you're a busy guy, so being able to take time out of your day uh, means a lot having you on, especially for the first episode, man. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Doing Awesome podcast. Please, let's help get this off the ground. Leave us a review on Apple, Spotify. We're going to be on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, and we will be back next week. Jack, thank you again. And everyone, we'll see you each and every Tuesday.